Hey everybody, welcome back to the PC Per Podcast. We are at episode 653. This is being recorded on November 17, 2021. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spurberg. And I am sure that our loyal subscribers received an email this evening telling them, hey, we're going to do something. Go to PCPer.com slash subscribe to find out what that something is. In an email, you can support this podcast the site go to patreon.com slash pc per that's patreon.com slash pc per put your name in lights let everybody know how much you love this for some reason and you want to make sure that we keep doing it just for you there's a surprising number of dedicated people who seem to enjoy this kind of thing hmm. You're and we need to find out what they want let us know what you want let us tailor exactly. it to you you've bought us I hope you've shaved recently, Josh. Okay. Um, There's no Burger of the Week. Josh let us down. Mm. Well, I mean, there was a Burger of the Week. I mean, but it was the Popper. I mean, how many pictures of the Popper do you really need to see? It's just two patties, cream cheese, topped with with fried jalapenos. and, And then that raspberry chipotle sauce that was great. It was really a nice filling burger and the fries. They gave me so many fries. It was insane. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I, I again could not finish them all, but they were all perfectly done and seasoned. Um, yeah, it's, it was fantastic. But again, it was the pimple popper. And I mean, the, the jalapeno, no, the popper. Yes. Let's go to the news. NVIDIA had all sorts of things to tell us in their November update. It's a lengthy blog post at the GeForce website. Big highlights are DLSS 2.3, new NIS, which is NVIDIA Image Scaling. I don't know if they're calling it NIS, but I am. And NVIDIA's uh, full stack of scaling solutions for gamers. Uh, what was the other thing? Uh, we heard. I will go through this a little bit more in depth if anybody cares to. But I'm going down here. I think it's kind of funny, actually, at this point that... And by the way, there was a hot fix for this. I'm all over the place here. But there was initially image scaling was not showing up unless you enabled experimental settings, I think is what uh, Jacob from EVGA was saying yesterday on Twitter. And there was a hot fix driver already today. And now that's visible. So you don't have to do that. But it's just... I love the simplicity of their settings app. It, it hasn't changed in forever. No, I'm if like, you... I if know you where use, it is, everything is. If you've used the NVIDIA control panel at any point in the 2000s, you know exactly where everything is because they haven't changed it at all. But this is this is just like that uh, stuff that I first saw with Sapphire's Tricks software where you just oh, create yeah. additional resolutions, right? I mean, you're just picking scaling percentages in the driver. So you can pick a scaling percentage of, for example, uh, 67%, which... Or not supported by Windows. Or, or yeah, or the famous not supported by Windows. Yeah, so anyway, as you can see, the uh, it has this legend here to allow people like me who are mathematically challenged to easily digest what it's doing to your resolution here. And obviously the end result is that you get higher frame rates. And uh, AMD has something very similar to this that's been in their driver for a couple of years now. Radeon image sharpening. Right, right. 
is where you do a scaling plus a sharpening effect. So NVIDIA has that too. And there is this new thing called iCat. That was the other one. Do you remember FCAT back in the day? Sure do. Never heard of it. And now we have iCat. Instead of frame comparison and analysis tool, it's... Is that like iCarly's pet? It's not. You can... Well, there's really no limit <laughs> so to the images you can So when they said pet the iCat, iCat... <laughs> yeah, NVIDIA, iCat... Maybe iCat the sheriff. Uh, yeah. I like it that they, that they were uh, GPU agnostic and that some of their latest utilities for sam- downsampling and resampling were like, like AMDs now weren't locked to their cards. It was an API. It was a, an enhancement that could run just as well on AMD GPUs, just like AMD did a little while ago. I noticed that uh, Kyle from formerly of Hard OCP was on Twitter basically saying, this basically is the death of DLSS or whatever he said. Nail in the coffin uh, for the DLSS. Death. I don't I mean, think so. But I don't think so either. I, I think the DLS, DLSS still has a slightly higher quality edge to it. Just go, you know, they can do a little bit better job in hardware. But you because can compare. Got, you can use iCat can, to compare sure. just like this. You can look at a uh, spatial upscaler at ultra quality versus DLSS at performance quality and measure the performance at these modes. One of the many things <clears> you can do with this. Uh, uh, because it's done in hardware, you get a little bit more uh, time because you can do more work in, in lesser time, I should say, because you're doing it in hardware. Now, some of the DLSS improvements. Well, it's, all, it's, it's all doing Sorry, it in hardware anyway. Yes. It's just math. Well, Yes, but the cross-platform aspect of it is all is basically in software. Wait, so what you're saying is that algorithm. even though AMD does retracing in software, because it's using the hardware to run the software, and really all software runs on hardware. You can't run software without <laughs> so it's all hardware. I think I think you may have missed the point here. Microcode, look, microcode, it's it's ones and zeros. Okay, it's on. Well, you off. know, okay. Here's the thing. I mean, you've got these massive GPUs, okay. and all they do is crunch math and a lot of math. And really, really complex math. And you have different ways of crunching complex math that may be more efficient. And we've seen that with like RTX stuff and versus what AMD does for uh, ray tracing. But in the end, it really is just getting to the point where we have so much math crunching capabilities in even, you know, mid-range GPUs that taking time, you can adjust the software to take advantage of all that so yeah it's you know tim sweeney from epic was always kind of famous in that you know everything would become software based again because cpus got so much more powerful well he didn't really see gpus going in this direction perhaps but the same kind of thought comes forward we've got these machines that can just crunch so much numbers i mean it's just insane how how powerful they are and what they can do mathematically um and in the end, it's all just math. And it's, it's, it's getting the software to be able to leverage that functionality and that performance. And you've got them doing a lot of the same things. And now, you know, maybe we will hit a singularity in some 13 years where we're, we're just so dense and can do so much math and just be so general purpose that, you know, it's, it's all going to be software from here on out. But at the point that we're at now with, like, you know, AMD's thing and, and DLSS, I mean, yeah, DLSS does have an edge, especially the 2.3 version. They've, they've fixed a bunch of things and doing some interesting stuff. But, yeah, we, we, we kind of need to 
focus what we're doing and, and think, you know, it's it's at the end of the day, it's all math. Who could do math faster? Josh, do you think it would be possible to, to develop, say, a GPU where it's all in software okay. and you just have a bunch of low power cores and it's all software? You could develop this there where you are. You could a call it like name it after GPU? the town. Lara I can call it Lara me instead of Lara me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clever. Clever. I saw that one coming, sadly. Yeah, no, anyway, it was not subtle or humorous. Yeah. You, you tried hard. But yeah, I did. The, the, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of along that thinking. They had, they had, you know, all these cores and they had these wide vector units attached to each core. Um, but of course, you know, it just didn't work very well because the other guys are doing things better with the the transistor counts that they had. Uh, but, you know, maybe we are going into that area where you just have these massive crunching units and a really, really sophisticated fabric around it and dispatch that, you know, it doesn't matter how you do it. It's just a tremendous amount of math all at once. I don't know. Can I show you the end result of all of this? Let's. With the DLSS 2.3 update. Now, you know how hot Cyberpunk 2077 is. And right here on the blog, you can look at the mirror. Let's look at the side mirror of the vehicle in Cyberpunk 2077. Now, with DLSS 2.1, you can see quite a bit of ghosting here with this fine detail in motion. Now, look at the new DLSS side mirror. You know what? This is a little cleaner, I have to say. It's definitely cleaner. It is. Not seeing as much. Uh, this is. Um, I believe that they, what they talked about specifically was taking advantage of some of the vectorization. And, and I mean by that, the direction that the pixels are moving in to do better prediction and edge finding and things like that. So they're taking into account the motion of some of the things and reducing, as you just showed, the ghosting where oh. stuff is not supposed to be. Yes. New, yeah, it, there's more examples. You can look at the full blog <clears throat> posts at nvidia.com on their GeForce. I was surprised blog. to see a handful of games already supporting 2.3. It was uh, like yep. five or six of them. Mm -hmm. I saw a couple on there that, let's see, uh, obviously there's Cyberpunk. <laughs> uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 Definitive Edition supports CLSS 2.3. That'll solve that game's That's problem. Interesting. Yes, yeah, all of them. All. <laughs> uh, and San Andreas. Somebody spill some hot coffee on it. Yeah. Well, Josh, it's computer history time. You were talking about this on Twitter. Intel's 4004 turns 50. What is this thing? I, I believe it was the first general purpose CPU that was released. It, it, it could address something like 4K of memory. Well, let's look it up. The um, it was first in the Busycom one four one PF, and here are some stats here. Uh, <laughs> thirty three hundred twenty bit RAM, four bit output, ten bit shift register, four bit central processing unit. That's the four thousand seven hundred and fifty kilohertz. Come on. Mm hmm. That is. But it was it was uh, it was made about nine months before I was born. Hmm. And we both aged so terribly well. 1971. Uh, hopefully you weren't conceived in front of one if it was nine months. <laughs> that, that, stop it. Stop. Hey, why my, did they my, my father was not an accountant and neither was my mother. Well then. 
It seems like just yesterday that we were celebrating the 35th anniversary, and you can watch the uh, Computer History Museum talk about it. Very comprehensive look at the processor if you're interested, but it's the chip that changed the world. It's really the first um, commercially produced microprocessor. And you know how big the wafers were that it was produced on? Two inches. Probably about that big around. And the transistor count, 2300. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, there was some really good thinking behind that. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. What? Yeah, you got to wonder what that substrate is. It looks like quartz or wood grain. <laughs> yeah, it does look like wood grain on top. And it's how like do you like that wire box? Well, look at that. Oh, here's the, uh, yeah, the layout. which you can actually see. It was a it was a big leap forward in the industry that uh, it could be you know kind of addressable general purpose. And that, uh, you know, it started us on the road to PC perspective. Mm-hmm. Without it, we wouldn't exist. I saw this news post and I thought, what is he doing with these it's pictures? True. Come on. It's what true. Is this, what is this picture of hard drives? Why are you talking about hard drives and NVMe? Because that, thanks to Seagate, is now a thing. They have at least, you know, posted uh, a, a JBOD that they built out of their own in-house NVMe hard drives that are also compatible with SATA and SAS because they've got a triple controller on it. I mean, it makes sense because in the not too distant future, you're going to see SATA ports go the same way as the PS2 port meant. Uh, It's going to be NVMe all the way down, or you're going to be buying adapters to plug into interface into the PCIe with a card. So, the thing about giant data centers is that the cost of loading that up with a whole bunch of SSDs for slower storage and for cold storage is, you know, absolutely terrifying and would result in your monthly rates going significantly higher. Whereas with a good old hard drive, it's robust. It's, it's still relatively cheap. It's not dead. I mean, we're still developing new uh, technology that goes inside of these. So why not set up, hard drives, which will be able to communicate with what's probably going to be the interface of the future, which is NVMe. You're, you're going to keep your costs down. You're still going to be able to do the insane giant chunks of storage with a JBOD or any other sort of uh, RAID that you can with a current hard drive, but you're not going to be paying the premium of an SSD. It's a relatively brilliant idea. Uh, they're not expecting to get anything out until mid next year or so, but yeah, I mean, it might actually spell the end of tape drives. Maybe. Yeah, well, but they're still, you know, economically viable because it's only recently the price of hard drives have tanked to the point where, eh, I just grab two terabytes and toss it in the corner and don't worry about it for a couple of years. Now becomes, you know, sellable. So this, I think this makes a lot of sense and uh, it's kind of nice that, you know, the, the whirly-dirly ones will still keep going around for a little while longer. Let's pause here. For a word from this week's podcast sponsor. 
Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. The time you spend searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing your business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find the candidates worth interviewing faster and for free. Recently, I myself have had the opportunity to use LinkedIn Jobs to locate potential positions, and it was super easy and very productive. You can create a free job post in minutes to reach not just your own network, but far beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience by using targeted screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then, use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash pcper. That's linkedin.com slash pcper to post your job for free. Terms, conditions apply. We're back, and we're going to talk about <laughs> get them while they're hot, fixes for Windows 11. Jeremy, how many? Like 10? How many were in uh, the last? Uh, they, they broke 70. 70. And these are not minor ones. These are, oh, yeah, you know how when you enable Hyper-V and just Windows 11 doesn't decide to work anymore? Yeah, we think we got that one. And that up there, the, the screenshot is actually the biggest of all of them uh, due to a bug. The blue screen of death that we all know and despise became a black screen of death. There was that much That seems much more appropriate. It does. Blue and purple. I mean, Plus, purple is ESXi, which you never want to see that, obviously, because no. once ESXi goes purple, you you know you've got problems. Yeah, no, so there, there are a huge, huge list of them, uh, ranging from a bunch of processors that just didn't like coming back from hibernation to uh, everyone's favorite, where even after you'd specifically set a different web browser as your default, if you clicked on a hyperlink, Edge just sort of popped its head up and said hello. So yeah, uh, these are all currently on the beta release. Uh, but I mean, you installed Windows 11, you you know what you chose to yeah, do. Yeah, you're, you're running so, a beta OS, so. Yeah, so they'll be coming to the mains uh, in the not too distant future. But at this point, you might actually want to consider going onto one of the uh, beta update channels because yeah, it's... It's going to go well. And again, the other frustrating thing with this that they carried on from Windows 10 is that all of these patches are barely related to a knowledge base article, uh, trying to find out what was actually broken, let alone how they fixed it, is almost impossible, which makes it very hard to try and troubleshoot. Okay, so if we apply this patch, what do you think it's going to break on our end? Uh, it was sort of related, not exactly next mm -hmm. on the list, but related security issue. Yet again, Intel processors again, but I guess this is more of a BIOS EFI firmware problem. It affects a yeah. lot of processors, though. More yeah. Intel, 10th, 11th gen. Goes back to 7th gen. Well, I mean... And the chances of you getting a BIOS update from your uh, Z270 is, is pretty slim at this point. Look, you don't need to be using that because Windows 11 doesn't support it. Okay? Also <laughs> true. Forget about 7th uh, gen. This, no. Yeah. Re retired coffee lake board without uh, with no tpm yeah high so severity is, bios flaws yeah so it's a mix mm -hmm. i mean on the plus side the person would need to have physical access to your machine i mean which at that point all bets are off however 
what they're actually doing is uh, targeting the BIOS and writing to the SM RAM on the motherboard, which Windows and any virus scanner you want on the planet ain't able to read or see. So if they can actually get on it and do this little hacked update to your BIOS, yeah, you're never even going to know unless you start detecting strange traffic. And even then you're going to have to find a series of BIOS updates, which actually overwrite the memory parts, which they've already written to it's, it it becomes a nightmare. That's that's a lot of processors and it's a huge amount. And that's a lot of nuts. <laughs> well, hey, the the CVSS base score is only eight point two. So yeah, hey, but you know what? At least ninth generation Intel core processors are not there. Nope. No, Odd. it skipped a generation. Why? Uh, well, it genetics no is idea. like that, man. What can I say? Oh, that's right. <laughs> it skipped okay. a generation. <laughs> recessive gene. I get yeah. it. So that, that's two of the three. Uh, there is a third one, which is more. Like the uh, old Atom E series and S series, which are found on your Internet of Things devices. And oh, those will never get patched. Quite possibly on your Tesla Model 3. So when's the last time your automotive dealer contacted you to uh, come down for the shop for the newest firmware to be installed? Hey, I mean, it's, I know it's you always the Tesla. Do that, but come on, it's over the air. It's Tesla. Okay. Yeah. So it's okay. over the air, but you're... Your Internet of Shit stuff will not be because no. you realize that they put it out and they stop caring. Yeah, your doorbell is hackable. Patched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, it's not new. It's just even more hackable. <laughs> yeah. And some of the other devices. The sound of hundreds of thousands of PFSense routers <laughs> <laughs> screaming at once and then suddenly silenced. And webcams. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, hooray. There was an article published by Tech Power Up. It's Windows 10 versus 11, Alder Lake performance. They're doing something interesting, though. They're, they're seeing if the e-cores are problematic. So if we just go down to the bottom of this. Nobody loves me. Let's look at this chart yeah, they, where it's relative They turned them off and on. They, they yeah. turned them off, turned them on, so kind of to see what would happen. Windows 11. Different applications. Yeah. Uh, standard. That's their, their test, obviously. Yeah, then, that's the, their how it performs in relation to Windows 11 with eCores enabled. So eCores disabled, it's at 94.4%. Yeah, performance went down. Of that performance. And with eCores disabled on Windows 10, the performance only goes down 2.5% to 97.5. There's individual benchmark well, well, results. Now, scroll back up. Scroll back yeah, up. Scroll yeah. back up. Stop. Yeah. Look at Windows 10 performance with eCores enabled. Yeah, even lower. Yeah, weird, eh? That's, that's horrific. The horror. Well, that's why the Intel horror. said use Windows 11. Yeah. yeah, that must be it. <clears throat> Otherwise, it might work well. It's not everything, though. I mean, the, it depends on what they're testing, because I, I have seen, others have seen slightly higher performance with Windows 10. Well, like this chart 11. you're looking at right now. So here we go. Have you seen e-beams sparkling through the vacuum? Off the shoulders of Orion. Yeah. But yeah, so there's one where Windows yeah, 10 beats the side of it. 343 seconds versus 363 on Windows 11. And then with eCourse disabled, same score. So that's just, uh, let's see. Windows, whoa. W Prime yeah. 
Windows 11 does not like Windows 11. Ouch. <laughs> not optimized. Yeah. Clearly, there's some optimization. Yeah, but look at Windows 10 with yeah. Windows 10 with the same the processor, 52.7 seconds. Windows 11, 174.3. Did they forget to uh, like turn the P cores back on? What happened with this? Um, hey, Cinebench R23. Well, look out, look out. Just scroll back up and stop. I mean, E-Core is disabled, and Windows 11 is 86 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just... That's ludicrous. Dude, this is... Yeah. See, this is this has been the issue with ARM stuff for a while and cell phones is the OS and the software needs to be really aware of what is going on with hardware because, you know, we've we've lived in this world of of pretty powerful cores and there's a lot of them. And then when we change things to we've got some pretty powerful cores, well, we got some other ones that are not and it's just scheduling. Scheduling is is so tough. And then dispatch is, is tough too, and decode and all these other things and, and pushing it where it needs to go. It's it's not easy. And there's a reason why Intel is the first one to be doing this in the x86 world 10 years after Big Little in the arm because it's an issue. It's hard. It's tools are, are only really catching up, and we've still got a ways to go, obviously. There are certain conditions where Windows 11 with eCores enabled is actually better. Check out, I don't know if you can zero in on it on that particular article, but the, the sort of the punchline of that is gaming performance in general between Windows 10 and Windows 11 on Alder, Alder Lake really didn't seem to make a whole lot of difference. Mm, depends on what you're testing. There are many instances well, where Windows 10 is faster. Okay, And fair some enough. instances where Windows 11 is faster in yeah. games, but... But it didn't give up a Deep lot. Like games are such a problem. It's the nature of games because yep. it's not like a workload that you can kind of. It, it's you it's can't dynamic. optimize for it. Yes, and uh, well, you can't <laughs> optimize for the human being behind the mouse, and they make strange <laughs> decisions, and they do things, and they switch in different areas, and they swing <laughs> yeah. around, and they do three sixty headshots, and you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's it is a more dynamic. Uh, software environment then and I mean you know Intel had the, the edge for so long and then AMD came back and then they added a buttload of cash to everything and they're doing mm-hmm. really really well and yeah it's it's just it's 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 like the Kobayashi Maru of, of workloads I mean there's no real winning strategy because the randomness of the people actually playing the games is it's just there and they have to account for it in software. And yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Let's talk about the fact that to, to no one's surprise, the elder scrolls six will not be on PlayStation. Can you believe it? A Microsoft owned studio won't be releasing on PlayStation. It seems weird, right? Okay. But, but they're going to release on PlayStation five years after. Maybe. For the anniversary and edition, milk it for the next fifteen. They're referring to this, and I believe it said as a decade game. <laughs> I think they meant to imply it was like a once in a decade game, but after what they've done with Skyrim, I think what we mean is it will be the game they'll release for the decade after it first launches. Again and again and again. That's funny because I, I did spend a few dollars to upgrade yeah, my about two. <sighs> just finished a couple of things, so I got space. 
I've never actually played a Stealth Archer. I might try that. You know Cherry. They make the MX key switches. Cherry makes the Cherry, switches in Cherry. a lot of mechanical keyboards. I'd never actually looked at one of oh, Cherry's mechanical yeah. keyboards before. We looked at a Cherry keyboard a while back, the Stream desktop that I'm actually using right now to stream because it's so quiet. It's lovely. But they, uh, they make something interesting. This is called the MX Board 3.0S. And here's what's interesting about it. The frame of this keyboard is what appears to be a single piece of extruded aluminum. And then the keycaps, it comes in a black and a white version. This is the white version that they sent. It can't be extruded. It's got to be stamped. Okay, look. Hold on. But still, no, it Josh, looks like it's a solid It's extruded. Piece look at the look at the aluminum. Look at the aluminum oh, well, frame. Thank oh, you. Oh, look at that. Yeah, okay. It is an extruded piece of alumin- aluminum. It's an extrusion. And then chopped to size. And then they put these plastic caps on each side of it. And there's these little rubber feet on the aluminum. Actually, what's interesting is these are caps. You can pull off those caps. And it comes with these two metal screw-in feet. That's how you do the height adjustment. Two hmm. metal screws. Wait, so, you mean so have you done the pieces of plastic that break off? No, isn't that amazing? No flip-out plastic crap. Shocking. Aluminium and plastic. (laughs) But uh, here's here's the thing about this keyboard. I don't know if you can detect it from this picture. The keys are close together. Yeah. I couldn't figure out what was going on because I measured the distance between the keys and it was six point... What did I write down here? If if you hadn't have said something... I, I wouldn't have noticed it, but when you called attention to it, I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Six, okay, the distance between... Okay, if you just look at the top surface of each key, the the distance between two keys was 6.6 millimeters. But the surface, the top surface of the keycap was narrow. It was only 11 point something. So, 11.9. So, you're saying us fat fingers people shouldn't apply? Well, it's subtle. It's a standard yeah. keyboard that I measured is 13 millimeters wide at the top of the keycap, where your finger actually presses against it. I, I grabbed a HyperX keyboard with cherry red switches, and it was like, oh, it's 6.6. Why does this feel different? No, the width of the, the entire keycap is narrower. So, they, they've put a 109-key keyboard into a slightly narrower form factor, but the result is that your fingers themselves will be closer together. Your knuckles will be closer to each other. Wow, good, good luck in finding uh, replacement keys sets for this, then. What's the, what's the, what's the final verdict? The final verdict yeah. is, Brett, you will, you will um, appreciate this. Think back to a time before Apple adopted all chiclet keyboards. And they had full-size keycaps on their keyboards. I'm specifically thinking of the model A1048. And here, let's go to Wikipedia and look at that. So the 1048 keyboard looked like this. Oh, I remember this one. The keys were a little narrow, like not narrow. They were square, but they were rather close together, as you can see in this picture. But that's not really what I'm talking about here. It was the feel. These are membrane keyboards, but there was a bit of a tactile feel to them. They had a similar key travel. They were, they were, there was higher resistance pushing down on the keycaps versus um, some. I didn't particularly like this one. I felt like like the keys on that particular one uh, had a lot of wiggle, I think, to them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking about the fact that it always felt like you had to push just a little bit harder. Hmm. 
like an old typewriter kind of, but not, (laughs) it wasn't that pleasant sensation. It was like a squishy, (laughs) firm sensation. This Cherry MX Board 3.0 S has fairly shallow actuation of 1.9 millimeters. The total key travel is 3.7, but it just feels like it takes a little bit more. Now it's not the actuation force. That's 45 uh, with the, the MX. This is the silent reds. Centinewtons, right? Yes. That's right. Okay. So that is typical. Like a lot of these are like in the 40 to 50 range. I think that in an effort to make this really strong, the actual PBT, these are double shot keycaps on this white one. It, it just seems like there's perhaps just a little bit more friction. You can probably get a different feel uh, out of this by lubricating it a little bit. Oh, and there's keyboard lubes. I know. I'd have to talk to Scott uh, Lawson. Is Scott, an expert. I know. To I Scott. Yeah, I'm talking to Chris. We haven't had Chris. I'm not sure "expert" is the right word. Hmm. Well, anyway, it has a you slightly know, firm like a tray where you can kind of lube them all at once or something. It's very yeah. awkward. Or use a hypodermic needle. Whatever. Now, but I mean, it all sounds vaguely. I, vaguely. All I'm trying to say yeah. is. Uh, when you're pushing, oh, first of all, your fingers have to be just a little bit closer together, and then you're pushing just a little bit harder, and your fingers are already close together. So it just for me, I didn't love the way it felt. It's extremely well made, and it looks nice, and their software is very minimal. They, I mean, in mo- by modern standards, it's it's very lightweight software. It's like a forty megabyte download. Just does exactly what it says. It lets you program macros and change key. Um, mapping and change the colors of the RGB. Boy, that 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 is a sharp looking keyboard, though. It is physically tolerances are tight, but yeah. Anyway, should be able to talk about your level of finger friction. Finger friction. Oh, you gave it the gold. (laughs) I did because it's it's a high quality keyboard. And I how much does it cost again? Think okay uh, on Amazon the black version less than a Les Paul was ninety six dollars. No, that's oh, not on Newegg. I would have guessed a little bit more. The black version shipped by some third party in China was 175. So I have no idea. That it's all over the hot. map, and I can't find the silver and white one for sale on Newegg or Amazon right now. But mm. it's around 100 dollars ish. I'll have to clarify with the people at Cherry PR about that, but you know, it doesn't seem to be available right now. And the black one, while it does have the same aluminum construction, it uses standard like laser etched keycaps or ABS. So if you oh, want the PBT, you've got to get the white model. And hmm. I don't know, maybe the oh, ABS, because they're lighter, that would contribute to a slightly lighter overall feel. So maybe I'd like that one better. But yeah, and here's where I went into the whole Les Paul versus Strat thing, which, uh, you know, it's it's slightly relevant-ish. Well, the, the weight also adds That's true, factor. because uh, there is less... <sighs> actuation force needed to uh, like actuate a string on a Les Paul because there's less um, string tension because the scale yeah, length travel. is shorter. You see, the 24 and a half inch scale length as opposed to, what is the strat? 25? 25 uh, just under, I think. I don't remember. But the st- Les Pauls have a shorter scale length, so they don't have to have as much string tension because the strings themselves are shorter. So it's easier to press the keys. If you want the Les Paul feel on a Strat, you've got to go with really slinky strings, like eights or nines. Even if you were playing tens on the Les Paul to get that same feel. And still it wouldn't 
work. No, I mean, it's, it won't give you that fat tone unless you put humbuckers on your strat. At that point, why do you even you, have a Why do you have a strat? Are you right. even talking English? I, I Look. I lost him at a lot. Talking rock and roll. Yeah. yeah, man. Let's go to picks of the week. Josh, did you come up with one as we were doing the show? Sure. Uh, you know, for a four-year-old uh, game that I played, you know, quite a bit. You know, Senua's Sacrifice, uh, Hellblade. Uh, they updated it. DX12, DLSS, and Ray Tracing. So, you know, it's still a little expensive, but, you know, wait till it's on sale. But it's it, it got a massive update. And really? uh, the visuals at the time were really good. And now they're even better. Gameplay is interesting. It's got a story. Uh, they, they do really interesting mm-hmm. motion capture stuff. And, uh, you know, if you're a big audio person, uh, getting a good pair of headphones with, you know, kind of 3D sound, uh, it, it makes it a very, very visceral experience. So turn off the lights, you know, maybe get some rear ambient lighting for your for your monitor and, and some good headphones and enjoy it hammering your GPU for a four-year-old game. Ooh. Because I never actually finished this because uh, the 1080 I was running did did not like this game. Didn't like it? Yeah. No. Well, it's a free update. And I refuse to go back it. to 1080. So. I've already got it, and I never did finish it. Well, then update it. See what you got. Is it uh, DXR ray tracing or... Uh, it's DX12 and DXR, yeah. So I think that it's not just uh, oh, RTX. Nice. So. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, sweet. I might try that. Yeah. And the, the, to to be fair, the developers actually beg you to wear this with headphones. Like, yeah, uh, the the spatial sounds are a major part of the uh, mental breakdown that you go through. <laughs> yeah, spatial audio is because very hot I right need now. more mental breakdowns in my life. Well, someone else's, you know, it's it's cathartic, right? Yeah, I can enjoy it for a change. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, what is your pick this week? I don't remember. Think Thrustmaster. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. So when uh, the new flight sim came out, HOTAS became unobtainable for anyone who wanted to invest less than five or $600 in. And, you know, oh, yeah. I, every once in a while, I keep an eye around because I, I do eventually want to enjoy the new Mech Warrior because the old Sidewinder is just, it's not doing it. And I don't really feel like disassembling it and lubing it back up again. Though, I guess maybe I could find a keyboard efficient auto to do that for me. <clears throat> so, yeah, the, yeah, the thrust, Thrustmaster, so not even like an odd off-brand, the T1-6000M with both joystick and throttle. Hall effect, nonetheless. 170 bucks in Canada, same in the States. I don't wow. know why. I... I I don't know why it's apparently uh, gone out of stock since I put one on hold. Well, at that price, uh, but seriously, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's I just January friggin, hmm. Yeah, it, it. This is a stupidly good deal. Uh, although I now I see a Logitech GX fifty two up there that's also one ninety nine, uh, which is not too much <laughs> better because usually when you're shopping for these things in the last year or so, they start at five hundred bucks and go yeah, up. I saw that. Yeah. So, yeah, if if you're looking for this and you, you got someone who really likes you and might buy you a present, worth putting on the list. 
even if you're going to be waiting was, for it for a while. I was going to I was going to try and buy one to finally get serious about playing Elite. Elite Dangerous actually. Mm. You want to know something crazy? Oh, oh. Crazy. Crazy yes, Yeah, the, uh, the Thrustmaster TCA Officer Pack Airbus Edition. Uh you can get that for looks like 220 bucks. Jeez. Wow. That's that's super inexpensive. Yeah. For for yeah, I don't know what's going on if we've got a whole bunch of new stuff coming out. Where's that, Josh? Is that uh, well, they got the they got the Boeing one. They got the Boeing uh, uh, yoke coming out. It's like an all metal frame. Um, really interesting. It's it's a replica of what's in the seven eighty seven. Hmm. So oh, that's kind of cool. Thrust, Thrustmaster TCA Captain Pack Airbus Edition flight controller. Yeah. Look at that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, parking, parking and it, uh, brake, it, Josh. It, it, that's detail. It seems pretty smooth, and I'm I'm so considering. It. <laughs> just do Even it. Says Airbus Never on the front of the joystick. I hate uh, that. Make sure that you get the MCAT update. You, you don't want it to be crashing anywhere. You Josh, don't want the uh, Thrustmaster TCA Yoke Pack Boeing edition. I don't, think, I don't think that's what he meant. Josh, just order it and have it shipped to work, and then smuggle it into the house. Yeah, something like that. Like an honorable American. I am not honorable. Okay, Brett, what is your pick? Well, uh, we've talked about this a few times, and the prices are falling on um, more than gigabit switching. A lot of motherboards, uh, both Intel and AMD boards, are starting, many of them are now shipping stock with 2.5 gigabit internet. In order to take advantage of that, you're going to need to be switching at at least 2.5G. And a lot of the switching gear has been very expensive. So whenever there's a sale, I'm a big aficionado of network gear. So here's a sale on a 5-port 2.5G switch from TP-Link. $20 off currently. Uh, $109. It's, It's relatively inexpensive for 2.5G switching across all five ports. And it's a metal case. Yes, it doesn't suck. <laughs> this is yeah, good. Twenty bucks isn't a lot, but there's not a lot of room to move on these right now. They've been expensive, really expensive for a long time. So anytime you catch a sale on one of these, I know it's you know five ports is not a lot, um, but you know all your equipment's probably not at two point five G. You know you probably got some legacy stuff. It's hard to believe to say legacy is gigabit now. Gigabit but, is uh, old, yeah. man. It's it been is for but, a long time. It's tr- that's true, but but you know standard two point five G in a lot of boards is relatively new within the past couple of years. It's Brett, more these, common. These processors back behind me were in use with yes, gigabit at yes, one yes, point. Yes. Yeah, I, that was I mean, we've I, all got really five gigabit coming from the street too. So the changeover, the changeover to two point five G is just relatively. Wasn't it, wasn't an Enforce two um, was essentially yep. around the beginning of gigabit. And that they had, you know, built in a hundred megabit, but you could add on gigabit at the time, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember the switch from ten to one hundred, actually. <laughs> Dude, I do too, team. and I remember going from hubs to switches, and yep. thinking yeah. this is what I've been missing from my networking world. <laughs> wow. I did token I mean, ring in high school, and a, so and a, and a, yeah. A networking appliance that's aware of the route. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, to Unix dumb terminals. Like, yeah, we've been through it. 
I'm Although old. I kind of miss dumb terminals because, I mean, at least no one could break them, really. Okay. Yeah, David Traub has a, a good point. Hubs were really nice for watching traffic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. He's sure. not wrong. They Much like a red it. light no, is. <laughs> it was just all there. <laughs> you got you got all of it all the time. <laughs> uh, your dark lord, if that switch had been made by well, Apple, that is that is the very definition of of throwing something at the wall and seeing what sticks. See if it sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Sebastian, you got to finish by your thought. And it leaves a stain. Nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah, how much Apple switching at two point five G would have cost? But it would have been the last switch you would have ever needed. They don't care about wired internet. They put the Ethernet jack on the power plug on the floor with the new iMac. They don't care about it. That's where they want. It's all about wireless for them. On the floor. Remember Airport? That was pretty much the first Wi-Fi product on the market. They actually made a very, very good Wi-Fi router right up until they didn't. Really? You think it was good? It was good. It was okay. For you know, it was some time, some years ago when it was good. So it's kind of with or without storage. Uh, without, but you could. It had yeah. A the USB ones with storage are, are not reliable long term. No, no what I the understand. the ones without. I ha- I've had a couple of them without, but you could attach storage through the USB port. It wasn't fast, but I mean, it did work. It, but hey, that's not look. Really what if I was you want to be an apologist for your crappy router, that's fine. Just don't complain to me. Yeah, when you can't it wasn't about the, the storage, but okay. it was a it was a very very good Wi-Fi system, mm, and it was okay. very easy to configure. All right, uh, which mm. was uh, nice for a lot of people. But you know what? I I worked in a hospital, and they only had hubs and so the networking closet was just we we just called it we just called it the collision domain so yeah and that's what it was you know what the best part is josh collision no it probably hasn't (laughs) changed (laughs) they did i hope it has i think hipaa doesn't like hubs very much no probably not hey i mean they don't like windows xp much either but i mean that's true okay it's still running for my pick, we're going to change things up a little bit. This is not a high technology. Let's change pick. things up. Have you guys heard yes. of this thing called Maxim? I don't know if you've ever seen Maxim. Nope. At the it's a magazine. Wait, the, the magazine um, with uh, scantily clad women on it. Scantily clad women. And, you know, that's what I device. thought too. But no, it turns out no, that it's in the Korea, thing that prolongs your. Uh, never mind. In Korea, Ooh, Maxim is a very, down. very popular brand of coffee. My wife bought a box of this. I thought it was either cat litter or. Uh, dishwasher soap. It had a handle on the top, this big yellow box. But no, inside were a hundred of these packets right here. And it ends up being about 23 cents a cup. It's coffee. But it's not just coffee. They sell just plain coffee. This particular one, the gold, is their most popular kind over there, I guess. And as you pour it out, it's it's like in layers. The top is the instant coffee. You continue pouring, and then the non-dairy creamer comes out, and then there's a little bit of sugar in the bottom. So as you're pouring and stirring, it's like mixing coffee, creamer, and sugar together. It's only a little sweet. It's not really creamy. It's just a very light, pleasant cup of coffee. Not too high in caffeine either. It's on the on the weak side. But yeah, it's good. And uh, it's cheap. So whenever I have a taste for something other than just plain black coffee, like, eh, I could go to the local coffee shop and pay like four bucks for a latte. Or I could pour one of these into some hot water. For 23 cents. Oh. So I do that instead. I've been enjoying these a lot lately. That's my pick. Still about 23 as, bucks uh, on Amazon. Environmentally friendly as a Keurig, though. That's our show for you this week. Um, Whatever this was. Yeah. Well, was much, very- much of it will be cut out of the finished version. If you want to see the raw, and I mean raw, uncut version, then you have to watch live. So, 
or be a or, patron. Or be a patron. Yeah, because be you'll patron. have access to it. But until yeah. next week, when we'll undoubtedly get together again and do this, you know, to some degree. Uh, Wait, isn't that Thanksgiving? Oh, you know, we need to talk about yeah, that. You, I'm uh, glad Americans. you brought that up, Josh. I think we'll have to take next week off. As is tradition okay. around here. More than likely. We will just take the whole week off. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Goodbye.